you go out to a restaurant and I'll say, oh, I want a glass of wine because I don't drink much. So I just want just a small glass of wine. They'll say, do you want the large wine? Now I'm like, <laughs> no. And actually, I'm a substance abuse counselor and I don't think we should be doing large wines because it's deceptive. And then I'm on the other side of the room saying, hey, shut up. Mind your own business. <laughs> Time to cope on the couch yet again for episode 45. Courtney Kelly, she is a professional. She is a mental health therapist. And I, Brian Mulhern, a longtime therapy patient who has reaped the benefits of the kind of work that she does. And this week we have a topic that I think is perhaps a little bit overdue here, Courtney, in relation to everything that we've been going through with the pandemic and maybe even beyond any struggle that you've been having. And that would be coping mechanisms of any kind and a especially the unhealthy ones. And I have an article in front of me here, Why We Drink. And this is a road that I have been down a couple of times in my life, coming off of a divorce, coming off of a friend having been murdered, and coming off of even my mom having passed away. I found myself leaning up against the vodka a little too hard Mm, a couple of times to the extent that I finally said to myself, hey, maybe this is starting to get a little bit bit out of control in that I felt like, hey, I need this to sleep. And then when I would get to that point, I said, that's not good for anybody because Mm -hmm. that seems like it is a gateway into it not being just for that, but maybe for other things. And I can only imagine, and especially now that you have run into this countless times Mm -hmm. as a therapist. Yeah. With therapy, a lot of what I do is not just the mental health piece, but also the substance abuse piece. It's really personal to people. It can be very individual. If you look it up on line, like what is drinking in moderation? The CDC will say one drink daily for women, up to two drinks daily for men. Other places might say three drinks daily for women, but only seven drinks max for the week for men, three to four drinks for one occasion and 14 drinks max. So that's just kind of an idea with moderation. But sometimes it's like if you find that you're starting to drink more and more, like you said, it could be that you're starting to drink for other reasons. Maybe you're bored, maybe you're stressed. You find yourself coming home from work and being like, I got to have a drink or to get to sleep, sometimes when it starts to escalate, there may be an issue. And here's the problem, too, with the one to two drinks a day thing. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the size of my wine glasses? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because some people will say, well, one drink is this, and I'm spreading my arms out really, really far, (laughs) and other people will say it's this, and now they're very, very close together. Exactly. When people come in and they have some substance abuse counseling, I say, what is moderation? And some people might say, I don't know, seven or eight drinks, (laughs) like, you know. And they might not have an idea on this. And then I say, well, what are you drinking? Now, Mm -hmm. if you're drinking a 40-ounce beer, then that's a few drinks. (laughs) So sometimes I'll be like, oh, I just have one or two drinks. But what are you drinking? So you might actually be having three or four drinks. So really, it's a 12-ounce beer. It's a 1.5-ounce shot, which would be in a standard drink, and a 5-ounce wine. Now, this is the thing. You go out to a restaurant, and I'll say, oh, I want a glass of wine. Because I don't drink much, so I just want just a small glass of wine. They'll say, do you want the large wine? Now, I'm like, (laughs) no. And actually, I'm a substitute abuse counselor, and I don't think we should be doing large wines, because it's deceptive. And then I'm on the other side of the room saying, hey, shut up! Mind your own business! Exactly. I said, who's heckling me down at the end of the bar? Oh, it's Brian. Okay. But that's the thing, because it really distorts, just like with eating and going to a restaurant where you get this huge plate of food, Mm -hmm. it really distorts what an actual serving is. And so I really try to educate people on how much they're drinking, because they may not know, they may not realize. And plus, if everybody 
else around you is doing it, it may catch up with you and you don't even realize how much you're drinking. And I saw Ricky Gervais make a good point. We're both fans of his where someone was asking him about his drinking because you do see him posting it on social media. And he said, yeah, I'm a beer and wine guy. He said, I love bourbon, but I feel like maybe that's taking it a step Mm -hmm. too far where it's okay to maybe have a wine every day with dinner. But if you start going with the harder stuff too, it's not necessarily, as you said, about the size of the drink. Mm -hmm. It's how powerful the drink is in terms of alcohol content. And some people will say, and I have people come to me where we practice some harm reduction, which is the first thing we talk to people about is, okay, how to reduce some of the drinking if you feel that it's an issue. And we'll talk about harm reduction. And some people will say, well, you know what? If I stick to just having a couple of beers, I'm good. But if I start to mix it with heavier Mm -hmm. stuff, then things start happening or I start having issues in my relationships or people are complaining around me as far as how I'm acting or perhaps at work I'm having some issues because maybe I'm not on my game when I get into work in the morning because I drank too much the night before. So we talk about that, some harm reduction as far as cutting down and noticing what drinks affect you in certain ways. And to speak to that, there was a time, and this is where I knew that I was maybe in a little bit of trouble, Mm -hmm. where I would have dinner with some people a couple of times a week and we would drink when we would go there. And I was going through some issues with those people and I would come home and my wife started to say to me, you come home, you're like a different person. And I thought, Mm. "Uh uh-oh, that's not good because look, there's the good time, happy drunk, but there's also that person who has a couple of drinks and becomes really, really nasty. Mm -hmm. And maybe you start taking things out on other people that you shouldn't be taking those things out on. There are a lot of warning signs when it comes to that. And to speak from layman's terms, when I've been in an area where I feel like I need to cut down, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I never drink. I probably drink maybe once or twice a week, Mm -hmm. tops, and I reserve it for the weekend because I don't want it to affect my job. I feel like that's a healthy approach to the whole thing as well. But when I felt like I needed to hit the brakes a little bit, it's very difficult to quit anything in life cold turkey. I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to do the dry January thing. Mm -hmm. Well, no, maybe instead of having the two beers or instead of having the five beers, you try Mm -hmm. to have two beers or you try to have one beer. You start to cut down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you just incrementally do it. Mm -hmm. And I think you could say that for just about anything. I've never smoked in my life, but I imagine for people who, let's say they're on a two to three pack a day thing, Mm -hmm. that's another way to get out from under that. Right. It's very individual and it's a spectrum. And like you had said about drinking, it's a depressant. So yes, Mm -hmm. people can get more depressed. They'll drink and at first they get a little rush. They're out with people. It's social. It's fun. But as they continue to drink, they get more and more depressed and then they can start being irritable and acting out and that kind of thing. So you really have to watch with that. But it really is on a spectrum. So we have a lot of people because of the pandemic and because of extra stressors, they've noticed that they've been looking forward to going home to having a couple extra drinks. And so maybe they're looking to address that and saying, you know, I don't feel my best in the morning. In the article, it was interesting. They were talking about what does this look like to your kids? You're Mm -hmm. teaching them how to cope by using alcohol. So there's different things at play. If somebody came to see me and was saying they were a little concerned, I mean, I've had clients who was like, all right, let's just help you to cut down a little bit. And they've been fine with that. The issue also becomes, though, sometimes cold turkey is the thing that you have to do if you are having such a significant problem Mm -hmm. that it is interfering with your functioning to the degree that you may have to be hospitalized. People have such a severe alcohol issue that they may have the DTs and they may get the shakes and they may go through some kind of very negative issues by stopping. We always advise that they start to slowly cut down, but also to never go cold turkey if you're having an issue like that with alcohol. But they may, under the supervision of doctors and in a hospital, they 
may go through a detox. And so that would be the other end of the spectrum where somebody is having this long-term issue that's been going on. It's been severe in their life, maybe with different things, different substances or opiates and stuff like that. And then there's so much help in that area as far as going to the ER, going through detox and going through rehab situations. So there's a lot that's offered. There's people who may want to go to meetings and they want to get support that way. Maybe families need support through Al-Anon because they have people in their family that are having some problems, problem drinkers. They need support around that. And then there's so many things out in the community that you can do. Just to let people know, wherever you are on the spectrum, there's help out there getting assessment with a therapist and getting some help. And speaking to the influence it has and the culture within which we live, not only do you have to worry about your own behavior around your kids, I really feel like alcohol is glorified in Mm -hmm. the world of entertainment like crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see it everywhere in movies, on TV, people joke about their drinking habit, things of that nature. And to speak to how severe it can become, you may recall that when the lockdowns and the shutdowns began way back in the day, people would say, well, how come liquor stores can still be open, but churches can't? Mm -hmm. Well, the reason why the liquor stores were open was there are so many people who are addicted to alcohol that there was a fear that if you shut that down, people would start having seizures. Mm -hmm. They would have to go into the hospital when they were already overwhelmed with people who had COVID Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't be able to take that overflow. And that was the primary reason why liquor stores Mm -hmm. were allowed to stay open. And I think all of us need to take a step back and have a good long look at that. Let's just say hypothetically that somebody said to you tomorrow, liquor store is going to be closed for the next month. Mm -hmm. What is your reaction to that? Is that something where you're like, oh, well, ho-hum, or you're like, oh, my God. And if you were saying, oh, my God, you might have a little bit of an issue. Right. And good point there, too. It is glorified. My people who have been through it where they really had to go into treatment and they had to stop through a detox and that kind of thing, you grieve it. You mourn it. It's a friend. It's not a good friend, but it's been a friend for you that it's been there. We've had to do a lot of work around that. For some people, yeah, if liquor stores were to close, that would be tragic for them and they would get sick and it would be just a horrible time for them. But it's really like in treatment, we're trying to meet people where they're at and we're trying to assess them and also give them a chance to talk about what they're willing to do. And I've had so many clients where you could see that they had a serious issue and I wasn't sure if they could sustain cutting down on alcohol or whatever they were using, but we would try that and we'd say, all right, let's try to put this in place. Let's use other coping. If you need to relax at the end of the day, what's something else that you can do? maybe cut down on some of the drinking and the substances. But when it becomes pretty apparent that they are not able to stop or cut down, then they start to realize maybe I need more intensive treatment around this. Maybe I need a day program. Maybe I do need a detox. And they can assess you for that. Not everybody needs a detox to that extent, but they will assess you for that at an ER if you were interested, if you needed a detox. So there's all these different levels of care. It's like a fun time thing, but yet alcohol actually causes more problems than the other drugs. And we hear all about the other drugs and stuff, but alcohol is just so normalized. And for many people, it's fine. They can go a little up, a little down. Oh, yeah, I was drinking kind of heavy. I kind of stopped. I just have a few here and there. But some people can't. Stop is easy. where it can get dangerous in a slippery slope. I will tell you how I started drinking more than I had up to some point, which was I didn't really drink that much at all. Mm -hmm. But when I was in my first marriage and I was having some trouble and I discovered that I had social anxiety and my wife said, I can't take you not coming to functions anymore. Mm. My family is asking me questions. Why aren't you there? 
when I would get there, I discovered, hey, if I have a couple of glasses of wine, mm-hmm. it takes the edge off and I'm fine. And then suddenly the couple of glasses of wine wasn't enough, so right. I would have to increase it. And then it moved to, well, if I'm enjoying it this much at social activities mm-hmm. and at social functions, maybe I can enjoy it at home too. And maybe I'm drinking by myself right, in the house. Right, right. And you don't realize that all of this is happening, mm-hmm. but that's how quickly it can get away from you. Oh, yeah. And I also want to speak to what you said about Al-Anon, people who aren't the drinkers, but mm-hmm. they have someone in their life who is really struggling with it. That is a great resource for people like that. And there is a commercial that I've seen recently. It's for a rehab facility. And it says something along the lines of people in that position ask themselves, do they love alcohol more than they love me? Mm-hmm. And this is where you need treatment. No, that's not the case. This is an illness. This is a problem. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with you. This has everything to do with them. Mm-hmm. And you need to support them as much as you can. But there's only so much that you can do. Right. And as we encourage people to go into therapy within this podcast, mm-hmm. I would encourage people who have someone like this in your life to get professional help in that way. Right. Go to some of those meetings and talk to other people who have experienced what you are going through. Right. A lot of times you love someone, they're going through something, they're drinking too much, they're having these issues with substance, but they won't change it. Mm-hmm. So the person just feels very helpless. So that's why Al-Anon is so important. And also getting their own support. I would always recommend, yes, for getting their own support and going to therapy and getting some ideas on, okay, how do I set some limits? How do I share some of my needs? How do I keep functioning without getting sucked into this person's problem? Because it's really difficult. You love them so much, but it's so hard. So people end up enabling it because they love them and they don't want to hurt them. There's all these things going on. So I think it's important to the person who's affected by it to get some help and some support around that. You never want to be part of the problem. You never want to be adding to it. And sometimes you are doing that. Like I said, when I started going down this slippery slope of, oh, I need a couple at this mm-hmm. social event. Oh, well, if it's good there, it's good at home. And then the next thing you know, it's out of control. And if you are enabling somebody in that way, right. it's going to get away from you too if you're mm-hmm. not careful. Of course. To really think about some of these risk factors, like you said, when you start to increase or if people are binge drinking, that's another thing. People will say, oh, I don't drink for weeks. But then when I drink, I can't stop. Mm-hmm. That's an indicator that it can turn into a serious issue. Right. And so it's another thing that I educate people on because they'll say, oh, I don't drink every day. They have in their head a thought of, It's only people who drink every day who have an issue with alcohol. And I say, but if you start to drink and you can't stop, then there's an issue there. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of uncover that. But again, with counseling, it's that non-judgmental. Let's just kind of explore. We use a lot of MI, which is motivational interviewing. So basically trying to help you to find the ways that will help you to change if and when you are ready to do that. It's a good process. You don't feel like somebody's going, well, you drink too much and you got to quit. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, let's talk about options. Let's talk about this. And I've had so many people come back to me and say, you know what, we tried everything, but I think I need to stop. When I say cold turkey, I don't mean like cold turkey as far as no supervision and just stop, but they need to maybe decrease, but with the goal in mind of total abstinence. We talk about therapy being a process and one that you have to be very patient throughout all of it. It's not something that started boom like Mm -hmm. that. And it's not something that's going to stop boom unless, like you said, you get into a situation where you need to be hospitalized and you don't want to get to that point, Mm -hmm. believe me. So you really do need patience with this, whether you are the person with the problem or whether you are in the 
life of somebody mm-hmm. who has a problem. And you can get frustrated, but if you start acting out toward them, you're only going to be pushing them away. Right. You need to be supportive, but not supportive, like you said, to the extent like that you're enabling them. it. Yeah. And that's where yep. you need to find the line. And that's where you definitely need professionals mm-hmm. to step in to show you where the line is. Right. The big thing, too, I wanted to mention right now, there's a lot of books on it you can read about. It. It's called Mindful Drinking. It's just like mindful eating. It's mindful anything. When we pay attention, okay, how does this make me feel? How much am I drinking? Why am I drinking? What triggered the drinking? It can help you to decrease and actually just enjoy one or two drinks rather than just like with food. It's like you can enjoy that small dessert rather than binge eating everything because you're trying to satisfy some other need. Mm -hmm. So the mindful drinking is just having more awareness about the behavior. And I think people might want to read up on that because I think it's really interesting. There's so many factors as to why we drink, the stress, the boredom, escape, relaxation, stuff like that. But also keep in mind what your own risk factors are and what they are in the family. I've always talked to people you have genetically in your family, it looks like, you may have a predisposition. It doesn't mean that you will develop the issue, but if you tempt it in certain ways, you could trigger that. Especially if you have mental health issues, you might start to drink a little heavier than you would want to because you're trying to fix something with that. Let me give you two more examples to show you how prevalent this is within people's lives and how many people start drinking for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Edward Van Halen was so terrified to be up on stage, Mm. his father, when he was a kid, gave him a pack of cigarettes and gave him a beer to calm him down so he wouldn't have that anxiety on stage. I know somebody who started having shoulder and back issues, and the pain became so intense that having a couple of pops made the pain go away, Mm -hmm. and the next thing you know, it's completely out of control. This is not a one-size-fits-all thing in terms of how you get into this. There are a million doors that lead to the same place, Mm -hmm. and you need to have an awareness, and you need to ask yourself, I'm not going to say every time that you pick up a glass, because sometimes you're out and socially, Mm -hmm. you're having a glass of wine with friends, that is fine. But if it's more than that, start to ask yourself, what is behind this Mm -hmm. exactly? Try to get to the bottom of that. And I think that's the first step in the right direction. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's really important, having that mindfulness and also knowing your risk factors and also being aware with your family, with your friends, with your kids. If people are complaining or they're concerned about you, kind of take that in. I've had people come to counseling. They're like, I don't need to be here, but my wife is saying I do. (laughs) And I say, okay, let's talk about that. Eventually, they may come to the place of saying, you know what? I do realize that there's some problem issues going on here. Sometimes we don't see it, but other people see it before we start to see it. So take that seriously and kind of ponder that and think about that as well, just to see if you need to do some adjusting on that. And to everyone who listens to our country music radio show, yes, you are getting drinking advice from people who play songs (laughs) like One Margarita, Beer Can't Fix, Mm -hmm. Country Music, Known. Sometimes I feel a little conflicted, It's five o'clock somewhere. (laughs) Helen Jackson, Jimmy Buffett, I could go on and on and on, but that is all also part of mm-hmm. that lax view right. of it's, what drinks do and the impact that it has mm-hmm. on you. If it's all about party, 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 and everyone's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And let me speak to this too. Country Fest, which we haven't seen in a while, at Gillette Stadium every year, mm-hmm. just about every year, Kenny Chesney ends his tour. And there are many times that we have had to be there for the radio station. Sometimes I'll have to bring somebody up on stage, and I've become friendly with security there. And as I'm waiting at four in the afternoon, I I already see a paddy wagon Mm. full 
of people. And they say to me, yeah, the arrest started at 2 o'clock. These people spending hundreds of dollars on tickets. But the attitude is, Mm -hmm. well, this is just a nonstop party. This is a huge tailgate. So I'm going to get my drink on. And so many of these people, too, who even stagger in there don't even remember the Mm -hmm. show. And if that's the case for you, that's something that you need to look at, too. Exactly. At that point, it's like, okay, then what was the motivating factor there (laughs) to just keep going and keep Keep going, keep going. And Am like I biting I said, the hand that feeds me, by the way? <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> I'm going after Country Fest. I'm going after the music we play. <laughs> I hope the Country Fest people don't hear this podcast. Oh, my gosh. Like, get me to a bar. <laughs> They're going to say, take him off the sponsorship list. <laughs> but yeah. Put but some bourbon in his mouth. Shut him up. I guess it's just the idea, like I said, just think about it. Just have more awareness about your behaviors. But there's plenty of help out there if you feel that you're having a serious issue or even just an issue where you're just like a little uncomfortable about where things are going with your drinking. And one avenue to get some help is to contact Mm -hmm. you personally. Courtney, how can they do that? Wellness at WCTK.com. You can shoot me an email. We also have some really great resources. You can read up on things at CatCountry.com on our Wellness Wednesday page. And you can find us on socials at CatCountry mornings. We have individual pages. Brian Mulhern for yours truly. Courtney Kelly and Courtney Kelly Bedard for her. Find us on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, the smart devices, everything else. And the important thing to do is to tell other people if you enjoy what we do here about what we do. And especially somebody who might be struggling with Mm -hmm. drinking, with depression, with anxiety. We are here to help you and we don't even charge one penny for it. Not even a penny. Yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's only episode 45. We're working on it though. We have some of our best people on that. So in the meantime, thank you for joining us. We will see you next week on Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. Thank you. I want to